welcome to the Jen Up Podcast. I'm Jenny Tanay. I'm a qualified nutritional therapist, eating disorder coach, and personal trainer. In this new podcast series, I'll be giving you advice on topics surrounding eating disorders and disordered eating. I will also be having various guests on the podcast who will be kindly sharing their own recovery stories from their eating disorder. You want to ask me anything, you can find me at Ask Jen Up on Facebook and on Instagram. Hi everyone, we have Sam today. So Sam is an elite cyclist, he's raced semi-pro in the Far East and he was ranked top 20 in the UK. He has also been featured on Sky News in the sporting section and today I will be discussing with him his recovery from his eating disorder and exercise addiction. Hi Sam, thank you so much for coming on. Would you like to give us a little bit of a bio about yourself to our listeners? Hi, Jenny. No problem at all. Thanks for the invite. Um, so basically started cycling in the late 2015 after the passing of my mum and used it as a way of, of numbing pain and, and controlling the grief process without really realising at the time. It then started to spiral into exercise addiction and a way of controlling everything around me as I felt I'd lost control. I'd been a previous personal trainer and gym rat. So I was in good shape, but quite large for a cyclist sitting in the 90 to mid-90s uh, weight range. Um, then over the course of the years, started to lose weight after working with a coach, uh, cycling coach that is, who was very obsessed with the watts per kilo number as he saw that as a progression more than the absolute power gain, uh, promoting fasted rides, minimal food on and off the bike. Lots of long, long, steady, minimal intensity rides, just as that fat burning zone, as I used to call it. And I brought myself down into the mid 70s. Uh, occasionally did see below 70 on the scales. Um, the doctors at the time believe I sat in the mid 70s a lot of the time because I was water loading, uh, diet coke loading, and binging on salads. So there was a lot of fiber and water retention in the body. Okay. End of 2017, I had to make a choice whether I, whether I introduce food in context, more food into my diet. I was eating, but I needed to eat to sustain the training. Um, so I started working with Rene McGregor um, and a new coach. From end of 2017, after setting up my own team, um, we went forward into 2018, where I gained my elite license at the end of the year finishing second six times out of eight races um, and was known as the form rider at the end of that season. Going forward, I would say physically I'm nearly recovered. Um, my bones are back to a level of normality. Hormones are nearly there. Uh, mentally, it's still a daily battle. Mm. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, when when did you sort of make the decision to go you know, you said you use the exercise as a way of like numbing emotion, like, you know, escaping the pain. Is that when you sort of decided to go to that elite level as well at the same time whilst you were doing the emotions? It was an opportunity that was kind of thrown to me. The, my coach at the time said I just naturally had a very strong engine. I was an ex-national swimmer, ex-national yeah. water polo player at school. So my engine and my lung capacity was there. Um, and he just said, let's just see. And my overall addictive personality, kind of all of that stuff took over. And I just started taking everything to the nth degree. So at the time I was working, 
But I'd get to put four or five o'clock in the morning, knock a couple of hours out, then go to work. If I had the energy in the evening, considering I wasn't eating much during the day, I'd then train at night as well. And it just it just go, went from there. He lived out in Thailand at the time. So he then, between himself and now my ex-fiance at the time, they said, why didn't I move out to Thailand as an opportunity to kind of progress and see, but also see if it made me any better. Um, it did the exact opposite. I completely isolated myself off from absolutely everyone um, and just literally got up, rode my bike, ate, went back to bed for about eight months. Uh, did no tourist stuff in Thailand, even though I lived out there for eight months. So it was those sorts of things that it was just an opportunity thrown at me. Whilst I was out there, I also went to Perth, represented GB, finished top 30 for my age group, about 18 months after taking up cycling. So I was, was progressing and I could just see it and I just thought, why not? I was quite good um, engine-wise. So I just thought, why not see where I can go? Um, you were so, very yeah. good, not quite good. You were awesome. <laughs> What's the quite? Is that is that quite. Quite, attitude that nothing's ever good enough? I do get it. Right. <laughs> it's that you set the bar high, I see. <laughs> Always. Always. And it still is set very high. Um, I find it really hard to compete these days knowing my numbers, my power numbers aren't what they used to be. Um, yet my coach, my new coach who I took on in 17 and stayed with since says, Sam, they're more than adequate. Uh, but I always have the belief that because they're not within that 5-10% of where I used to be, um, I'm not going to achieve the results uh, so there's always that push and it makes it really hard when you go out in training and you've had to notch your, notch your zones back. It'd be the same in running, you know, where you have to knock your pace per mile back. I've had to knock my zones back and I still perceive myself as a bigger rider. So I shouldn't be doing those lower numbers. I should be doing higher numbers, um, especially over the years with the, with the regaining weight. That number should be going up because I'm naturally heavier. Actually, it's come down purely because of fitness, nothing to do with, well, I'm not riding my bike full time. Yeah. So. Okay. So, you know, when did you start to notice that you were using sort of the exercise as a process to numb emotions and then obviously realizing there was a problem with the food and the exercise? When did you start to notice that? How did you realize that? So, the numbing emotions actually came really quite late. Um, <laughs> That that basically came in 2020 um, with the numbing emotions part. The food and that was starting be to become apparent when I wouldn't go out for meals with people or I would go out for meals with people. I'd have to look at the menu first. You do all that normal stuff that comes with, you know, disordered eating. Uh, but I'd have to train first. And if I hadn't trained, uh, I wouldn't be able to go out to eat. There were several times on birthday parties that I'd ask coaches for harder, longer workouts so I could earn said fuel. Um, so there was that element of things. And all I ever wanted to do was achieve quite small, like small goals, very short-term goals. Um, when I lived in Thailand, I lived at the bottom of Chiang Mai Zoo, which is also Doi Su Tep. It's a 30-minute 30, 30 full gas effort. All I ever wanted to do was actually break the 30-minute mark, which I did, but I never looked at a long-term goal. 
And it was always just that, which in my eyes, I was only ever going to go up that fast if I was lighter. Because it is, that is a climb that is power to weight based. There's yeah. no, there is no arguments about that. Um, so there was that. The numbing emotions came. Um, I got hit by a car in 2020, just before lockdown, out, out training. Okay. Um, again, if I hadn't have asked, told myself to do the extra 10 miles, I'd have gone straight on at the roundabout and got home. Instead, I wanted an extra 10 miles, went round the roundabout and a car just came through me from the side. Um, and I had some therapy for that. Within that therapy, it came out um, how I decided to grieve for the loss of my mother, which was through exercise. So that came a lot later. As I said, the physical recovery uh, probably happened mid-2019. I remember doing some bloods and they were nearly back to normal. But the physical recovery is still ongoing. Uh, those therapy sessions, yes, they were brought about because of my accident. Yeah. But we managed to kind of hit many, many different topics within that. Okay. Um, one of them being why I used the bike, um, why I'd cancelled therapy sessions um, because of how I felt when I got off the bike. Some of the days um, we, we yeah. me and my coach came to the point of you're not riding on the day of therapy um yeah because it was it was too much I'd put myself in a hole before therapy and then I'd come out of a bigger hole after the therapy so they were they were considered days off because the emotional the emotional thing and that's the biggest thing I've learned is and it's cliche not all stress is created equal work life balance stress is the same as um training stress score so if your work-life stress is high, you won't actually be able to put out a high training, a high quality training stress score because the body simply well, won't allow. Your body can only take so much, right? If you're yeah. like really stressful and then exercise is, you know, is a stress on the body and you're putting that on top, it's like... Especially if you're trying to push. You know, there's a difference yeah. going out and just chilling on the bike for an hour. And, oh, yeah. Know, Rather like pushing your body to the max, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get that. Yeah, sorry to hear about your accident with the bike and everything. That must have been really stressful for you at the time. That was a good one. Um, glad you're all okay now, all healthy now after that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I got very lucky. Um, the yeah. report was Sam was ejected from his bike, but yeah, no, I I was quite lucky. The bike, not so much, but I was. And this is cycling sports in general um, and myself in general. The first thing I'm doing after being hit by a car at 30 miles an hour is trying to find my bike in the middle of the road and considering if I can ride home. I'm not, I wasn't far from home. That's my first thought process. Um, and it is the way the cycling world is that we kind of just crack on. Um, yeah. And a lot of people did message that night saying, hope you're okay, but how is the bike? Um, and that is that is how and I had numerous crash I had numerous crashes. Yeah. And my first coach did ask, I hope you're okay, but how's the bike? When can we get going again? And yeah. that is kind of that is kind of the sport that we live that I lived in for a number of years. Okay. Okay. Well, it's good that you're okay and that, which is really good. Yeah. So the, the therapy that you have, was it talking therapy, I assume? Like you've obviously found that helpful. Yes, yeah, talking therapy, yeah, in person. 
yeah talking therapy is good to like address obviously like certain traumas and stuff which is which is good um great and you, obviously you found that really helpful and you went every week and everything most of the time yeah um as i said it was mainly based for the accident but we did cover a few other topics yeah um poor relationships with family members ex-partners in the past etc okay okay cool i mean i wanted to ask about you know the coaches that you yeah. have as well because i was really intrigued when you mentioned about that and I was rather shocked as well that there are coaches out there that you've worked with you know that you've worked with who've prompted sort of fasted work workouts along with sort of various other diets yeah do you find how did you firstly how did you find working with those coaches and did you find that they fed into that sort of eating disorder mindset as well um so because of my background I'm a I'm a sports scientist by degree Okay. Um, with a dissertation on nutrition. So I have that and I'm an ex, ex whatever personal trainer. So therefore I have some knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so top that off with other knowledge, it kind of all made sense. So when he was saying these things to me, he was like, right, I can see where it's going. But then add on top of my addictive personality <laughs> I'm always going to take it to the nth degree. So, yes, I was told to do fasted workouts. I was told how to refuel afterwards. Don't worry about protein because you're not doing that much damage. You don't need muscle. Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Um, yes, he always promoted them, but but, but I, I took it as right. Every ride, if it's zone two, low intensity, I'll just do fasted. And when I say fasted, I was leaving fasted. And I wasn't eating on the bike and I might be out for four or five hours. Wow. Well, okay. And then I'd refuel uh, when I got back. Yeah. So there were all these sort of things that I was doing um, at the start. Now, obviously anybody that does that, the weight is just going to fly off. It's, well, yeah. It, yeah. That's, you know, that's non-negotiable really. And initially you can cope because if you have got the larger fat stores, yes, you'll get through it. But obviously, the leaner you get, the less you've got to tap into. Well, yes, yeah, the less um, glycogen in your body, isn't it? Because yeah. you're going to break down muscle tissue as well. Yeah, which was the plan as well. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because I was like, if you look back at some of the photos, I was quite big, so I I needed to lose my lose my upper body um, okay. to go up a mountain fast, and I have. Like, if you compare photos now. Like, you know, you can take me on in an arm wrestle and you'll probably win. I'd like to think my legs <laughs> might have a bit more. Okay. Um, so, so there's that aspect. Um, so obviously I took that to the nth degree and then things started to get... And I couldn't, like, I used to, I've had a really shit ride today. I've had a really bad ride. And I, my brain was starting, it's got to be fuel. Like, it has to be fuel. And he's like, no, I could give you two litres of cola and you're still not going to try and hit those numbers mm. that you've been trying to do, you will fall off. Yeah. Right. right. Okay. And just certain things didn't start making sense. Um, and then there were just other things was, you know, I was just showing methods and I did my own research of, because when I lived in the far East, everything just became so obsessed around white that I found um, Senna tea really good, makes sure, you know, 
you, you go to the bathroom every morning. Yeah. I wouldn't ride. I wouldn't ride until I've been at least two or three times. I needed to see a certain weight on the scale before I left the house. Yeah. Um, I was weighing myself 15, 16 times a day, waking up in the middle of the night, weighing myself. Okay. Um, so there was that. Um, I never made myself sick. I was never bulimic. I never once made myself sick. Um, I used to binge on salads until I've, I would eat what I wanted. So I don't know, chicken pasta or chicken and rice. And then it was such a small amount, I would then just fill myself on either really lean protein yeah. Or salad. Okay. And when I say salad, I'm talking like just, you know, iceberg and Europa mix and all of the, you know. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that, was, <laughs> that wasn't like, i got to be careful. It's not like it was promoted, but I was in such a place with it. And yeah. my weight was always discussed out in the Far East at team dinners and things like that. I wasn't big, but I was looking big because I was always starving. So yeah. my body was holding on to everything. Um, was it holding on to like, water and stuff, your body at the time? Because of the, cor- yeah. the cortisol might have done that because of the high. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did a three week, I essentially did the second longest stage race outside of the Tour de France, the Giro and the Welter. And I virtually didn't eat during the stages. A, I wasn't good enough to be there bike handling wise so I never wanted to take my hands off the bars to eat or drink and B it wasn't the done thing I have more gels now in one training session if it's a particular training session than I did for two and a half weeks of racing wow and how at full gas how do you feel doing that like the comparison like between energy like sort of wise how what's the difference like how do you (laughs) um on the bike, it's hugely different. You must feel so much better, right? To say, now, I can't do a hu- huge comparison in weight because I simply don't know where I went. The last time I weighed, someone weighed me, said, don't send me my watts per kilo because I'll figure it out. He sent me my watts per kilo by mistake. And he felt really bad. And I did, and I went, okay, I didn't expect to be that light. So that's how a poor perception I have. I weighed in that day at 77 kilos at three o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Um, to put that in perspective, I'm six foot three. Um, yeah, yeah, at all, yeah. So, like, at my lightest, whoever knows what I was, I truly don't know. Uh, but most of the time in Thailand, I was weighing at 75 kilos, um, and I was doing 320 watts for 30 minutes. To put it in perspective, my PB now is 435 watts. Oh, okay. So I've put on 25%. How much weight? We don't know. Uh, but I have raced three hours at my old 30-minute power. Yes, I've done a lot more training, um, but I'm also putting, you know, fuel into the body. You're putting fuel into and you're seeing the benefits of doing that, yeah? Yes, huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, there's no there's, there's no way around it. Like, I've I've done all the experiments under the sun to see if I can still do those high numbers with no fuel or little fuel or less fuel or whatever, they don't happen. Or you do it for one day and you're cracked the next day and barely move. I guess it's like, obviously you did hit those numbers at one point you know, without that fuel. I guess it's the body, you know, it comes to a point where the body can't do that anymore. And it's like, well, you have to give it the fuel now. You can't. Yeah. 
the body's like, no, not going to do that. You have to fuel it to hit these numbers. If you don't, you're not going to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, because I was just looking short term every day. So I had to wake up at a certain number, go to bed at a certain number and wake up the following day at a certain number in terms of weight. Mm. That's just not sustainable. So when the best example we ever did was lockdown in 2020 with my new coach from 2017, who is, he's a lifesaver in my eyes in many ways. We, he put in, cause I was on furlough. We put in a 12 week block. And we actually worked out a diet plan for that 12 weeks. Okay. And there was some, like, if I wasn't doing three hours on the road, I wasn't training. Like, we just yeah. went full, we just went full mode with everything. Um, yeah. Because I just wanted it for 12 weeks. Yeah, yeah. And I got really fit. And the amount of food I was packing away was, was quite serious. Yeah. Okay. So how did you deal with that compared to what you were like before? That must have been a hard transition for you to be able to mentally it's mentally it's still really tough yeah um I still I if I don't get back from certain training sessions um completely empty and and, you know cracked then I haven't gone hard enough regardless of what sort of session it is um I always do want to try and come back empty um I, I do you know what I completely relate to that it's kind of like you just want to feel empty you want to feel like you've done it and you feel empty and then but what's that feeling why do you want to feel empty after the session because you feel like you've just achieved something and it and it's just that push it's just always that push whereas actually an endurance day in the middle of a training block for a cyclist is a transition day because you've probably done some high intensity the day before yeah you're probably going into a rest day on day four so actually, the, the third day is whatever you've got left. Just go out, tap it out three, four, five, six hours. Come back. You will be depleted regardless. Yeah. Um, rest up, and then you go again. But if you come back, you crack yourself on that four day, that third day. You've then got a rest day. You probably won't recover. You'll come into the next day, which will be high intensity because it's the start of a block. Mm-hmm. You'll be swinging. So. Okay. okay so this is what you kind of say to yourself now like if you you know how to stop yourself from being depleted and the side effects of doing that and you don't you don't have to be depleted after every workout I guess yeah no but no and this might be a personal one for me yeah I can then also overindulge on the bike and off the bike because I don't want to fail the session okay which actually has negatives as well because actually you might genuinely fuel too much for that session. Very unlikely. Um, and the yeah. evidence is never there to say I've overfueled for a session. No. Have I fueled too too close? Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like for me, I have to be careful that I don't start wanting to smash a session out. So I'll just eat more. Because yeah. it doesn't that doesn't always add performance. Like what you said, it's the achievement aspect of being, feeling depleted after a session, but knowing that you can go out of a session without feeling depleted and still, yeah. it's still an, it's still a good thing. You've still done a really good ride, so you have to feel a certain way. And looking at the benefits of doing that, I guess, like recovery yeah. rates and stuff like that. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really fascinating. It's really, it's really good. It sounds like you've come like a really long way. It's really. It's taken a lot of energy. I don't you can never quite explain it to someone. Um, yeah. Quite 
like some people some people genuinely get it and some people genuinely don't get it yeah. and a lot of it you know the sport I was full-time involved with and still have a heavy like helping hand in it with other teams my own team um like you can just see so many conversations revert back to food and weight and looks you know essentially we're young middle-aged men rolling around in tight lycra it isn't the world's sexiest sport um <laughs> so and and you 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 can't hide away from that i know i have gone into races not fully fueled because i want to make sure i look okay for that photo yeah okay. and then i've been dropped 20 minutes later and i look like an idiot yeah. it does happen so I guess it's like when you go out for that run, you know you've fueled properly for it and you see your performance go up. It's just focusing on that, isn't it? Focusing on that. Yeah. To be like, okay, that was good. I was I had a really good ride. I fueled it adequately. Yeah. Yeah. Just focusing on the performance aspect, I guess. Thank you so much for listening to the Gen Up podcast. I'd like to thank Sam. He was absolutely amazing. And I hope you all enjoyed listening to his story. I've been your host, Jenny Tomei, and you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at AskGenUp. And on my website at genup.com. If you visit my website, you'll find lots of different resources available there. Please like, subscribe and share.